I've been loving this series. Absolutely loving it. And I'm going to read you from Numbers chapter 14, starting in verse 6. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes, and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we pass through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Remember that the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. This has been an amazing series. We have seen people's lives transformed. And I, I would love it if some of those lives that were, have, have, have been transformed would actually get up and give testimony over the next year or so. Because it is truly, truly amazing. God has been working in people's lives. And we followed Joseph. Okay, we followed Joseph from, from you know, to, to Egypt. We kind of took three weeks and we said, okay, how did the Israelites get to Egypt? And we, we looked at the life of Joseph. We followed him to Egypt. And then Moses. And we followed Moses, you know, through setting the people free and, and up to the point where they're on the border of the promised land. And then the last few weeks, we've been studying the lives of, of two dynamic leaders, Joshua and Caleb. And the impact that they're having on our lives is amazing as we, as we walk through their lives and what God is doing through them and how we can learn from that. Because really the goal, the goal is to try to glean from their story and their journey and then apply, the, apply those principles that we glean to our lives. How can we use what we're learning through Joseph and through Moses and to, through Joshua and through Caleb? How can we use those lives and apply their principles to our lives. But then we also talked about how the enemy wants nothing more than to, to discourage us and, and kind of put us on our heels. I mean, we, the enemy wants nothing more than to keep you. I always come to this spot. We talk about being in bondage because we've been talking for the last, what, six or seven weeks about how do we move from a place of bondage? Maybe it's a habit. Maybe, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's your, that you're anxious. Maybe that you're, you have an anger problem. Whatever it is for you, how do you move from this place of bondage to the promised land? And we said last week that, my goodness, the enemy wants nothing more than to keep us in our place, not to move forward. But we can't let that happen. We cannot let that happen. This, is, this series has been so encouraging for me because I, like all of you, I picked something in my life. And it's not something truly overwhelming, but I can get anxious sometimes. You know, I'm not a fearful person. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of what people think about me or I'm not afraid of those kinds of things. I'm not, there's no fear, but there's anxiety is different. Sometimes I can lay in bed at three o'clock in the morning and I wake up and all these thoughts will come to my mind. And I start to worry about, well, if I got to do this, we got to do this. We got to make sure this is right. Make sure that is right. And all these difficult things you have to deal with when you're dealing with a church. You know what I mean? And we have an extremely healthy church, but there's always something coming up. So I said, you know what? I don't want to wake up at three o'clock in the morning worrying about that kind of stuff. I don't want to think when something happens, I can't, you, you and I can't control the events in our lives. Sometimes we can only re- control our response to those events. So, you know, God's in control. God is walking there with us. So my attitude has been, okay, Lord, help me to get to the point. And it has been absolutely, be honest with you, miraculous 
Because I've studied the Word of God. I've, I've, been, I've been studying what, what, it, what it means. What does it mean, Lord God? Help me to overcome that feeling that comes on me. Because your brain is wired a certain way, genetically and environmentally. You get wired a certain way. So I want to break that wiring and rewire Jeff Greer's brain to have a, a new mindset on how I look at things. And so I, when something comes up, I say, you know what? I can't deal with it until I'm actually faced with it. So I can't think of, my brain works like, I'm always thinking of 20 different things, but I'm also thinking of 20 different things when it comes to sometimes worrying about what, if here's the situation, what 20 things could happen, and I have to anticipate all those things. I said to myself, I'm not going to do that anymore. I will deal with it when it's in front of me. I know it's coming, but when, when I, I'll worry about it when there's something to actually worry about. And I'm not going to worry about it even then, I'm just going to, I'm going to handle it. I'm just going to deal with it. And not worry about, because you, you, a lot of you are in the same boat as I am. You know, anxiety is not one of those things that, that decimates my life. I don't, it's not like something that controls me or anything. But you know what? I don't want it at all. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So I don't want to, I don't want anything controlling me. I don't want anything to have a grip on me. So that's something I'm working on. Is something, what is it for you? Because whatever is for you, the enemy is going to try to keep you in your place and from accomplishing what God has for you along the way. See, if we're going to achieve our goals, if we're going to, if we're really going to reach the promised land, then, 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 then we need to remember that God is in control and he walks with us every step of the way. And we're also going to have to have some special tools. I'm going to lay out a few tools that we can use in our journey. So, you know, here we are in bondage. We want to make it to the promised land. So let me give you a few, to, a few tools that you can use along your journey. All right. Number one, number one, the right mindset. You and I need to have the right mindset. We need to be optimistic, not pessimistic. You know, sometimes if you're a pessimistic kind of person, I'm asking you, start to rewire the brain a little bit. You need to be optimistic and not pessimistic. The world is filled with negative messages. And if you start out with a pessimistic mindset, the world's just going to add to it. And that's going to add to your difficulty and your frustration. People are always, well, a lot of times you're going to hear from people what cannot be done, what you can't do. But see, God's not concerned about what you can't do. He, wa- he wants you to talk about what you can do. And so we need to have that optimistic mindset. You see, one of the things that I realized in, in, in life in general is that discouragement and feeling um, defeated is, 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 is a temporary condition. Discouragement and, and maybe feeling defeated is a temporary condition, but it is, it is made permanent, okay, by our attitudes. If we give up, You're going to feel discouraged sometimes, but when you give up, that's just a temporary, that's a temporary thought process. But when you give up, it makes that permanent. So we got to make sure in this whole process, we're going from bondage to the promised land that we, along the way, we never give up. We never give up. Failure in life is inevitable, but giving up is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. You and I cannot give up. And there's going to be, along this journey, there's going to be giants, there's going to be obstacles, there's going to be frustrations, there's going to be dangers, there's going to be all kinds of things along this journey where you're going to feel like, Man, maybe I shouldn't cross that bridge. Maybe, I, maybe I've come so far from where I used to be. I'm fine. 
I should just kind of stay here because the enemy is going to constantly try to push you back. But you're feeling, I'm fine here. That's not enough. You want to go from where you were to the promised land. You want to taste it all. You want to have it all. You want the milk and honey. You don't want to get halfway there. And the way you achieve it all is by never giving up. Never giving up. So don't give up at the first sign of trouble. Actually, don't ever give up. Whatever, whatever you're working on, I don't care if you've been working on it for 20 years and you're going through the series and you say, I've been working on it, but man, God's been working in my life and, and, and I don't care. Just keep going forward. Just keep, if you have to fall forward, but don't give up. Don't give up. Allow God to keep moving your heart in the right direction. See, Caleb and Joshua, Caleb and Joshua saw the same thing as the other, uh, the other 10 spies. Now let me go back a little bit. Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to spy out the land. There were 12 of them, okay? 10 of them sort of whining like babies about what they saw and were like, oh, we can't do this, we can't do this. But Joshua and Caleb saw the exact same thing as the other 10. So you got to scratch your head sometimes and say, what, what's the difference? See, Caleb and Joshua had a different attitude. Their attitude all along the way, seeing exactly what the other ten saw is, we can certainly do it. We can't take on those people, the, ten, the ten other ten spies said, the other ten leaders said. We can't take on those people. But Caleb and Joshua said, no, we can certainly do it. They focused on the promise and not on the problem. The ten were focused on the problem. This can't be done. Here's why. Big giants, there's fortified cities, it's this and that. We feel like grasshoppers. All the reason they couldn't. They focused on all the problems, but Caleb and Joshua focused on the promise. When God calls you to do something, listen. I've been saying this for the last six weeks. Your path is often, your path is often strewn with obstacles. But it is often by overcoming those obstacles that God is glorified and your faith is strengthened. It is through overcoming the difficulties. It's through the walking the path and saying, you know, I got an anger issue, but you know, here, here's some, here's another opportunity to overcome that anger issue and taking that next step. Someone's doing something that really ticks me off, but you're praying about it. You're, you're quoting scripture in your mind and God's speaking to you and he's giving you patience and you take that next step. It's the opportunity to overcome the obstacles where God is glorified through your life, where people say who know five years from now, three years from now, they're saying, this guy's a, this person, this woman, she's completely different. How is that possible? They used to be so anxious. They used to be so angry. They used to be so whatever. And all of a sudden, you're a different person. See, the old has gone. The new has come. The great thing, I, what I love about being a Christian, is you can say, well, that Jeff guy, he, you know, he's, he's whatever. You can say that about me today. But five years from now, if I'm doing what the Lord's called me to do, you can't say that about me anymore. I love that because God is constantly changing me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He's constantly changing you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So Caleb and Joshua focused on the promise and not on the problem. They were able to be strengthened by God's power. Number two, if you, the tool that you need to have is capacity. You need to have capacity in your life. You need to be willing to be stretched. People sometimes don't like to be stretched. I have been asking you for, well, 
if you've been coming here for three years, I've been asking you for three years, but in this series, I've been asking you to, to just open up your heart and, and, and give God a chance to move in you in maybe ways he's never done it before. And part of that is having this capacity, being willing to be stretched by God. If you want to have more capacity, because if you're, if you're going to go from bondage to the promised land, you're going to need a, a larger capacity. Because the enemy is going to put more on you than you've ever had before. And you need wider shoulders, if you will. You need stronger muscles, if you will. You need a, 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 a more broad capacity to be able to handle those things. You see, if you allow God to stretch you, that's what I'm saying. Let God stretch your capacity. Let God stretch you. If you allow God to stretch you, you'll be molded into a more effective tool. And what you want is you want as many tools as possible as you're going through this process... Because you're going you're gonna to face different giants and different struggles and different pitfalls and different obstacles along the way. So you need to allow God to work in your life. Then you need to allow God, as you're walking through this process, you need to allow God to continue to work in your life and to complete what he started. When God starts something in your life, God started something in my life and God's saying, you come, you come a long way there, Greer. That's pretty good. But we've got a long way to go. Let me finish. Let me finish. No, I'm good, Lord. I'm not anywhere near as whatever as I used to be. We're, we're, I'm good. Now God's saying, no, no, stop. Wait. You got that anger problem? You're less angry. Your wife's happy. Your kids are happy. Your, your people around you are happy. I'm not done with you yet. See, what God wants is for people to say in a few years, how on earth did you go from that angry, bitter person to this patient kind person. That's what God wants. God wants people to scratch their head and go, how did that happen? So let God finish his work. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Remember we said a couple, like uh, the, in the last series, People will say, well, you know, that you can't, you can't change, you know, you, you, uh, you can't change a stripe, tiger stripes or whatever the case may be. And people say, it can't be done, it can't be done, you know. You are who you are and blah, 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 blah. And they say it's impossible. But remember we said a couple of months ago, we said impossibilities, difficulties, whatever word you want to use, impossibilities are just opportunities for our capacities to be stretched. And God wants you to give you those opportunities. Impossibilities are just opportunities for our capacities to be stretched. God wants to stretch your capacity. Why? Because in order for you to fulfill all that he has for you, he needs to keep growing you and growing you and make you stronger and stronger and stronger. Do you understand something? When I start here as a believer in Jesus Christ and the promised land is there and I start walking this path, I told you there's giants in your way, there's obstacles in your way, there's dangers in your way, there's pitfalls in your way, but you have to understand something. That's all the enemy in your way. But you need to realize that you shouldn't be afraid of the enemy. The enemy should be afraid of you. The enemy should be afraid of you. You're God's child. God is walking with you every step of the way. We need to go into the battle. We need to go through the journey realizing that there's nothing on the path stronger than us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So we need to remember that. The only thing that you can't do, the only thing that you are not capable of doing or I am not capable of doing is that which God does not allow me to do. 
Everything we're talking about here, God is going to allow you to do. Why? Because it may be sin in your life. It may be habits in your life. It may be addictions in your life. All those things that God wants you to let go of. God's not going to get in your way and nothing else can stand in your way. We all need to under, we have the wrong mindset that somehow the enemy is stronger than we are. That's not true. God can do amazing things. Ephesians 3.20 says God can do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. According to his power, get this, his power that is at work within us. It is not my power that will get me from here to here. It is God's power. Who is stronger than God? What is stronger than God? The answer is absolutely nothing. And if that power lives in me, if the resurrection power of Jesus Christ lives in me, then I will accomplish all that God has called me to accomplish. We need to understand that mindset. The third tool is fortitude, okay? We need to have fortitude. Stay strong and relentless regardless of how difficult things become. And they will. I, I, have, I can't get into detail. I, am, I promise you. When I decided, okay, this is something I really, again, I'm, I'm being honest. It's not, a, it's not a debilitating thing in my life. But I get anxious about stuff. And I said, Enough. I'm not, I, by the time this is done, this process is done, I'm going to be in a place, a different place. Now, I am right now at a different place. I'm so excited about it because I'm so, in, I'm such an, I'm in a such different place now. I can't imagine what it will look like a year from now or two years from now. But here's the thing. You are going to face difficulties. You are going to face struggles. You're going to face things that will try with all of their might, if you will, the enemy will try with all of its might to keep you from fulfilling what God has for your life. So you need to stay strong and relentless regardless of how difficult things are because consistency, being consistent, pays off. It will pay off for you. If you're relentless, the enemy cannot, hear me out, if you're relentless, if you have fortitude, if you have determination, the enemy cannot win. I don't care what it is that you're working on. If you have fortitude, the enemy cannot win that battle. So we always need to keep the the vision, the, the, the goals that we've laid out for our lives clearly in mind and have faith that God, again, is with us every step of the way. It is his power working through us. So for us to really accomplish that, though, this is another learning from, from the children of Israel. For us to accomplish that, we need to remember God's faithfulness in the past. How God has been faithful to us in the past. Last week, Jen said, how many people have had miracles happen in their lives? You know, you're here because of a miracle. And I mean, almost everyone raised their hand that God has done miracles in their lives. But we, like the children of Israel, forget sometimes what God has done in the past. And if you're on this path and you're walking, 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 you're going to have, and you hit a roadblock, you're going to have to remember, wait, God helped me overcome a similar roadblock in the past. Here's how he did it. Here was the outcome. That gives you strength. One of the reasons the children of Israel were not able to enter into the promised land was because they had forgotten God's faithfulness in the past. They constantly were forgetting. They go through the Red Sea and all of a sudden they get on the other side and something happened. Oh, why'd you bring us here? This is crazy. You know what? We should have just, we should just stayed in Egypt where it was safe. We should have stayed. We should go back. And every single time because the, they had a problem, they had a memory problem. Remembering what God has done for them in the past. Keeping, remembering keeps you focused and it keeps you determined. 
When you remember, it keeps you focused. Yes, God has, has done this and God will continue to do this in my life. Napoleon Hill, who studied the lives, I'm going to read this to you, of, six, uh, of two dynamically successful people, stated that I've had the happy privilege of analyzing both Mr. Edison and Mr. Ford year by year over a long period of years, and therefore the opportunity to study them at close range. So I speak from actual knowledge when I say that I found, listen, that I found no quality save persistence. I found no quality save persistence in either of them that even remotely suggests the major source of their stupendous achievements. He didn't say they were the most brilliant men I've ever met in my entire life. They, that you should have. He, no, he said what I found was persistence in both of their lives. It's the only thing that explains their stupendous achievements. Fortitude. Fortitude. What made Caleb and Joshua different? What, what made them different? Moses, when Moses sent out the spies, he sent out 12 leaders. He didn't send out Caleb and Joshua and a couple of their, a couple of people. You guys, you guys pick and choose a couple of other people. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. No, these were 10 leaders. These were 12 leaders. So what is it about Caleb and Joshua? Why did Moses send 12 out and only two of them step up? Why was that? Why did only two step up? I believe I, I kind of have a simple answer for it. Joshua and Caleb had conviction. Joshua and Caleb had determination. They were determined. Joshua and Caleb had faith, conviction, determination, and faith. The other ten did not have that. See, ten saw a problem. Two saw a solution. Ten had questions while two had answers. Ten saw obstacles when they, when they would look at, they went into the land. They all saw the same thing. Ten saw obstacles while two saw opportunities. Ten saw giant men. Though they made us feel like grasshoppers while two saw a giant God. Ten of them focused on what they couldn't do and two of them focused on what they could do in the power of God. Ten of them focused on their own strength, and two of them focused on God's strength. Of course, we are not able in and of ourselves to take on all of that, those armies and those people, those fortified cities, those giant men, those powerful people that straight, that bring, you know, bring fear into the heart of men. Of course, we can't do it, but, but we're not doing it on our own. We're not doing it on our own. See, here's the thing. Ten of them had the attitude of an impala, and two of them had an attitude of a lion. Remember, remember like last series we talked about this? An impala, right? You can take an impala. An impala can jump. They're like the athletes of the animal world. The things can jump like 30 feet. So they take, but when you put an impala in the zoo, they can put an impala who can jump 30 feet or more behind a three-foot wall. Remember why? Because impala's not going to jump over a wall, can't see over if the Impala doesn't know where its feet are going to land, they don't know, it doesn't know what's on the other side. So it's not jumping over the wall. Paul's like, man, I don't, what if, what if there's a big ditch there or something? What if there's something else on the other side that's going to eat me? What if I jump over and I sprain my, my, my hoof or whatever the case? It's not jumping over the three-foot wall, even though it, really, it easily could jump over that wall and out of the zoo. 
go live in your backyard or something. But it doesn't do that. A lion, on the other hand, can jump about 30 feet as well. Have you ever seen a zoo put a lion behind a three-foot wall? Oh, look at the lion. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. You know why? Because a lion, lion sees a three-foot wall, doesn't know what's on the other side of the wall, and thinks to itself, I don't give a rip what's on the other side of that wall. Because whatever's on the other side of that wall, it's got a huge problem when I get over there. Right? It leaps over thinking, I, boy, this is going to, when I land over here, I hope there's something else. To, I, I take on whatever. It doesn't matter. You know why? The impala, and an impala, impalas are anxious and lions are fearless. What happens if I jump over the wall and this and that and this and this and that and this and this? The impala lays awake at night and goes, man, I, I don't, oh man, I know I could get over that wall, but what if, what if, what if, what if the lion's like, you better put him behind bars and some giant glass or whatever else. Even behind glass, they try to hit you and they try to run up to the glass. Because lions are fearless. We, Caleb and Joshua, were fearless. The other ten were like impalas and they, they, were, they, were, they were not going to try. They were not going to step out in faith. They didn't have that determination. They were depending on themselves. But Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit. Some of you have not moved, okay? We started here. You're coming on Sundays, right? You're coming. But you haven't picked anything to work on. Because you're, you, you, you're anxious about if you move from this spot, what might... If you go from Egypt and try to get to the promised land, you're afraid if you leave Egypt, what might happen. But all I want you to do this morning is consider what will happen if you don't do it. You're worried about what might happen if you do move. You're worried about what might happen if you do take that step. What I'm asking this morning is to consider what will happen if you don't. Let me tell you something. The older you get, you become more of what you are. And for some of you, that, might, that should scare you. You become, you're an angry person. You don't deal with it. You're not going to get older and become less. You'll become more of what you are. You're impatient, you're going to become more of what you are. You need to either move, you need to jump that wall, take that chance, because I'm telling you, if you don't, I can tell you what's going to happen. You're going to become more of what you are. We don't have to worry, my friends, we don't have to worry about jumping over the wall, because you know who's on the other side ready to catch us? Jesus Christ, and he'll get us going. I spent the first 18 years of my life fearful, frustrated, very angry and lost. But then something happened. I, 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 I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I found Jesus Christ, he showed me who I am, my identity, my true identity. He showed me who I am. But he showed me something more than that. He showed me who he is. You see, I have the spirit of the living God in me. It's not enough to know who I am and my identity when you know who he is and you have faith in him and you know he's living in you. Then you know the spirit of God is actually living in you. You know what that makes you? A dangerous person. It makes you a dangerous person. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So when I start to walk and I start over here and I start down this path and on this journey, if you know who your God is and you know your God's living in you and you know who you are, you know your identity and you're along this path, you know there's nothing, no giant on that path that can handle you. Why? Because you know who you are. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a person belonging to God. That's who you are. You're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. The enemy's goal is to keep you worried, 
to keep you thinking, if you take him on, you're going to lose. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You take him on, he's going to lose. Why? Because what Caleb and Joshua knew, they knew their God. They knew their God. I decided a long time ago, I'm telling you right now, I decided a long time ago, I wasn't going to leave this world with any spiritual regrets. I'm not. I want to leave this world like, jo- like, like Joseph. I want to leave this world like Joshua. I want to leave this world like Caleb. I don't want to have spiritual regrets. I don't, I will, I will not, I'm not, I don't want, whatever. I will not lay in my, in my deathbed as an old man thinking woulda, shoulda, coulda. If I lay on my deathbed three days from now, I will not be thinking woulda, shoulda, coulda. I will not have spiritual regrets. Next. We need to have the tool of enthusiasm. I told you last week, the, the, the Greek word for enthusiasm is entheos. It means God in. It's the ability to see God in a situation that makes it really, really exciting. God is with us. He's watching us. He, he, he is helping us. He's guiding us. He's teaching us. He's with us every step of the way. Our Heavenly Father is involved in our lives every step of the way. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants to provide for us. He provided for his children. All right, so they went from, they went from Egypt, and then they go into the Red Sea, and they took all their supplies with them. But at a certain point, early on, they ran out of food. And now they're in the desert going, what the heck are we going to do now? We ran out of food. God said, I have this covered. Stop whining. I have this covered. I'll give you manna. I'll give you manna. And I love, you know what manna means in the Hebrew? What is it? That's what it means. <laughs> That's what it means. Like, I'll give you manna. And they're like, you know, it means, what is it? It's like the question mark. What, what is that? Manna is like, well, it was like a dew that landed on the ground. And then when everything dry, it dried, it was like a little waferish kind of, uh, you know, white kind of substance. And they're like, what the heck is that? The Jews ate manna every day for 40 years. But here's something interesting. When they went from bondage, when they finally reached the promised land, and they ate of the food of the promised land, when they, when they actually tasted the food of the promised land, the manna stopped the next day. No more manna. I want you to think about that. When God, listen, when God gives you, hear me on this one, please. When God gives you a taste of your purpose, when God gives you a taste of your true identity, when God gives you a taste of your goals being fulfilled, There is no life, my friends, that will satisfy. Once he gives you a taste of what is, what truly could be for you, when he gives you, when he tells you who you really are, I wouldn't, when I got saved, the idea of going back and participating in any part of my former life was nauseating to me. You know why? Because I had tasted, I had tasted what God had for me. I, t- I, I began to realize who I am, who, who I was designed to be. Why on this, uh, why on God's green earth would I ever want to go back to where I was? Because I tasted of the fruit of the land and I was not going back. I just wanted more of it, man. I wanted just more. If that's, if this is how we get started, this, I'm thinking, wow, that my life's going to be nothing but one, you know, challenge after another. I'm being able to accomplish everything that God has for me. Why would I want to go back into bondage? We need to trust God to provide for our needs. Some of you are on that path and you're struggling. It's hard. You need to, you need to trust God to provide for your needs each day. 
You know, get up. You're struggling. Just get up and do the next thing every single day. Just get up and do the next thing. He will give you manna for every single day. He'll give you what you need. And then listen to me. When he starts to give you, when he gives you a taste of what the promised land looks like, you need to fight for it. You need to fight and claim it. You need to fight with all of your strength to get it every single day. You need to fight to go from bondage to the promised land. Once he gives you a taste of it, you're going to have to fight to claim it, to own that in your own life. See, here's the thing. Some of you have lost your way. Okay, you've lost your way. You've lost your enthusiasm. In Theos, you've lost your ability to see God in a situation. You think you're on your own. You're not. But you've lost your enthusiasm and you've lost your passion and you've lost your zeal and you've lost your chutzpah and you've lost your you've lost your desire to to be the person that God has created you to be. You've lost your fight. That's the thing. You're sitting, you're the impala behind the wall. You have lost your fight. Time is drifting and the enemy is not only controlling your present, but controlling your future, controlling your destiny. Because you've, you've taken a step down, you've taken, a, you've taken a step back. The enemy has knocked you down. And you, listen, the enemy has knocked you along the road. The enemy has knocked you down and you have stayed down. What did I say in the very beginning? Don't give up. Never give up. But the enemy has knocked you down and you, you have stayed down. You have stayed down. I want you to think about it. One day, man or woman, you are going to be on your deathbed. What are going to be your last thoughts? You have to think about the end. What are going to be your last thoughts? That you gave up and the enemy won? Is that going to be your last thoughts? That you, you fell down and you stayed down? You, li- you existed, but you stopped living. You existed, you went from day to day, you spoke words and you walked around and you ate food. You existed, but you stopped living. You need to get back up. You need to get back up. You think, you know, pastor, you don't understand my life. You don't understand what, what, I, what I've been through and, and the people in my life. Listen, listen, listen to me. I beg you. People are going to let you down. Get back up. The people in your life, there are people in your life at work, at school, whatever, that your family, they're going to let you down, but you need to get back up. The world is unfair. I give you that. And many times, much of the time, it's unjust. Get back up. You've been treated unjustly. You've been treated unfairly. And you're down. Get back up. Up. You need to get back up. You didn't get the family life that you wanted. I, I love my mom and my dad, but I certainly didn't get the family life that I wanted. So what do I do? Just lay down and say, well, I didn't get what I wanted. No, you get back up. You say, God, give me the family I always wanted. Let me be the grandfather to my children and to my grandchildren and to my, I want to be great granddad one day. I will create the family that I didn't have. If you don't have the family that you want, if you don't have the family life that you want, you need to get back up. Someone stole your idea. Someone stole part of your story. And it's, it's, it, it is consuming you. Get back 
up. You lost your job. Get back up. You've been rejected or you've been betrayed. And it's been eating you up inside. You, you, the forget, you, you will not forgive. And that, that, that rejection and that whatever, the betrayal in your life is that like we talk about the sun in your world. Your, your life revolves around that sun. What I'm saying to you right now is get back up. You need to keep moving forward. You cannot give up. You're not where you thought you would be at this point in your life. And so you've had, you have, you have, you're almost dead inside. You're not where you, you thought you would be at this point in your life. And I'm saying with all the love in my heart, get back up. You are not finished. The enemy may have knocked you down and discouraged you, but you, God is not finished with you yet. Remember why? That's why we talked about Joseph. Joseph got knocked down and he 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 got back up 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 every single time. No matter what they did to him, Joseph got back up. Some of you have been knocked down so hard that they have left you for dead. People think, people think the only way that you could ever revive from where you've been knocked down, whether it's your choice or someone else's choice, the only way this could happen is through a miracle of God. Nothing, it would take a miracle of God to get you back on the right path in your life. The, uh, the, the only one who still believes that you can do it, the only one who still believes in you is Jesus. Nobody else. You've fallen so many times, you struggle so many times. The only people, only person who still believes in you is Jesus. But that is good news, my friends, because Jesus went to Lazarus and said, get back up. He was dead. That wasn't enough. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, get back up, get back up. Josh and I were watching this, this uh TV, and we heard this story that was just absolutely fascinating. I'm going to read you the story. It's about Justin Smith. It says they, they, he was found in five-degree weather. Doctors initially thought he was dead, but he turned, it, it turned out that being frozen solid actually saved his life. His father, Don Smith, was searching for his son in his car. He saw his boots first, just the toes, peeking out from the drifts of snow along the side of the empty road. I looked over. And there was Justin just lying there. Smith recalled Monday to Pennsylvania TV station WNEP. His voice was tight at the memory of it. He was blue. His face. He was lifeless. I checked for a pulse. I checked for a heartbeat. There was nothing. The 25-year-old had been lying in the cold for nearly 12 hours. It was five degrees below zero and snowing. When the emergency personnel arrived, they couldn't find signs of life. Someone draped a white sheet over Justin Smith's lifeless body. Someone, a lot of people have draped a white sheet over your lifeless body, if you will. A coroner was called. And the state police started to work on a death certificate. A death investigation. Meanwhile, a despondent Don phoned Justin's mother to give her the unimaginable news. Their son is gone, except he wasn't. Not according to Gerald Coleman, the emergency department physician on duty at Lehigh Valley Hospital early on the morning of February 21st. My clinical thought was very simple. You have to be warm to be dead. 
You have to be warm to be dead. Coleman ordered the paramedics to start performing CPR on a man who had no pulse, no blood pressure, and by all appearances had taken his last breath a half a day before. All, and almost a year later, on Monday, Justin Smith held a news conference to thank him for saving his life. Guy was gone, if you will, for 12 hours. And the physician said, get back up. He said, get back up. If you're here today, if you're here today and people have beaten you down and left you for dead, listen to me. <laughs> You're just cold dead. You're, you're just, you are just cold dead and you've been dormant. Hear my heart. You've been dormant for long enough. And this morning is your resurrection day. You've been dormant. You've been lying there for long enough. People leaving you for dead. But you have been lying there long enough. And this morning is your resurrection day. It's time for you to get back up and start living for God. And start living your life completely for God. If you're going to complete this journey. If you're going to fulfill the vision that God has given to you. If you're going to achieve your goals. There are going to be times when you get knocked down. Times when you feel like you cannot get back up. Times when you feel like people have done their worst to you and left you for dead. There are going to be times like that in every single one of our lives. And to make it to the promised land, okay, you're going to have to muster up as much strength and determination as you possibly can. You're going to have to draw on more strength than you actually have. But then you have to remember what David said to Goliath. When you get to the point where your strength is gone and there's no bootstraps to pull on, right? There's none left. You can't dig deep down and pull something out. It's, it's gone. It's over. You need to draw on strength that, that only comes from God. And you need to have the attitude that David had when he said this to Goliath. He said, the battle belongs to the Lord. My battle of winning, going from the bondage to the promised land, belongs to the Lord. Your battle of going from bondage to the promised land belongs to the Lord. David said to Goliath, you're so toast and you don't even know it. Why? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. My friend, you are not alone. You are not alone on your journey. Joseph was never alone. All along the way, all that we learned, Joseph was never alone. Moses was not alone. Joshua was not alone. Caleb was not alone. And you and I are not alone. In Psalm 23, 4, it says, Even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I feel dead. People think I'm dead. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, the enemy thinks I'm dead. They think they've knocked me down and kept me down and it's all over. End of story. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I will fear no evil. Nothing can overcome me because I am walking in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You may have been knocked down. You may have been pushed down and held down. But today is resurrection day. Today is your day to stand back up. Today is your day to say that those who caused you to bleed, those who caused you to suffer emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever it is, those who caused you to suffer, today is a day where you get back up, where you get up.
from all that was inflicted upon you or that you have inflicted upon yourself. Today is your day to get back up and start living for Jesus Christ with everything you have in you. Because that's the only way we're going to go from bondage ultimately to the promised land. It is through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you, Lord God, for this time. I pray, dear God, with all of my heart, and I thank you for making my voice stronger than when I started out, Lord God. You answered prayer, and I thank you for that. And Father, I thank you for each person here and every single one of us, Lord God, knowing that you are a part of our lives and you will give us the strength to get back up. You will give us the strength to rise up no matter what someone or what we have done to ourselves, that you will give us the strength to get back up through the power of the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his precious, holy, mighty, awesome, powerful, lion-hearted name. Amen.